welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And on today's pod, we are grading Mike Hazen's offseason next. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. This is my third time today trying to record this podcast. My notes have been confusing. I took bad notes last night, I guess, so... This is my third time attempting to do this pod. The first time I went six minutes, the second time I went 10 minutes. So I'm hoping to finally get this podcast out for you guys because I'm not trying to do this episode for a third time. It's really annoying. So let's get it rocking today because as I mentioned in the cold open, we are going to grade Mike Hazen's offseason. And we're going to do that by looking at the D-backs needs entering the offseason and then grading each need based on whether Mike Hazen accomplished the mission or not and then we'll grade the entire offseason as a whole as well so to first start of course we have to talk about what the needs were entering the offseason and this is in no particular ranking this is just the order I have written down so please don't take anything out of the order of which I'm saying these needs there's no correlation between the needs and a power ranking or anything like that so let's let's get into it. enough minutia the first need I thought for the D-backs entering the season or the offseason was bullpen arms. I don't think I have to tell you guys uh, enough or I think I've told you guys enough about this because you guys have probably seen the games yourself. There's not much to say. The D-backs bullpen has been hot garbage the last two seasons. If you've watched the games, if a starter comes out the game with base loaded, guess what? Just automatically tack on two more earned runs to that starter's ERA because it's going to happen. The D-backs bullpen likes to give up a lot of loud and hard contact. They struggle to put away guys. It just hasn't been a very stable or reliable bullpen the last couple years. And if you just look at the numbers, they had the worst. They were tied for the worst bullpen ERA in the National League last season. The fewest strikeouts. So overall, the numbers tell you the bullpen wasn't good. And if you've honestly watched the games, I don't think you need to see any numbers. The bullpen was not very good. All you needed was your eye test to tell you that one. Second need for the D-backs, third base. Now, this was a hole kind of created by Mike Hazen because last year at the deadline, he traded Eduardo Escobar, huge fan favorite, of course, and Azdrubal Cabrera. So all of a sudden, entering the offseason, the D-backs don't really have a third baseman, a third baseman. Now, they did have internal options. Josh Rojas, Drew Ellis, Josh Van Meter, who was recently DFA'd. Sorry, Josh. That one hurts, and Josh Van Meter, that is, who is DFA, not Josh Rojas. But it's not like the D-backs had to go out there and sign one because of the internal options, but it was definitely a hole, and if no one emerged, you know, throughout training camp or spring training, or if they felt, if they didn't feel comfortable with any of the in-house options, 
on the roster, then maybe Mike Hazen would have gone out there during free agency or during the trade market to go out there and acquire a third baseman. So I think it was a hole that the D-backs had, but it wasn't like a, a massive gaping hole that the D-backs had to address. But if they want to go out there and sign someone, it's not like Rojas, Van Meter, or Drew Ellis are superstar players. Like It's not like they have a stake to third base. So no one would have been, uh, no one would have been shocked if Mike Hazen went out there and signed a better third baseman than Drew Ellis. The number, the, the number three need for the D-backs, I thought, was the number five starter. Now, you could argue anyone after Zach Gallen in the rotation could be replaced and should be upgraded. But for the D-backs, I think we all felt like Bumgarner, Gallen, Weaver, Kelly, those are the top four in the rotation in no order again, of ones, uh, no order again, of course. But that number five starter, like third base, it was a hole, but there was internal options, Corbin Martin, Taylor Widener, Tyler Gilbert. It just it just depended on how confident Mike Hazen was or is in those guys. So that would have determined whether he felt the team needed a number five starter or not during free agency. But I thought it was a big need for this team entering the offseason because once again, like third base, is not like any of those guys in the rotations are superstars outside of Zach Gallon. So not like any of them have to keep their job in that rotation. It's not like any of them can't be replaced either. And then the fourth need, I think, was more right-handed batters because we all know D-backs are loaded with lefties. The, the projected lineup for 2022 entering the offseason probably would have consisted of David Peralta, Dalton Varsho, Josh Rojas, Van Meter, Ahmed, Marte, Walker, and Carson Kelly. And looking at that, Walker, Kelly, and Ahmed are the only three guys who are full-time batters from the right side of the plate, only three-time only three full-time right-handed batters. So for the D-backs, they are loaded with lefties, specifically lefties that don't do very well against left-handed pitching. So the D-backs definitely needed some more right-handed batters in their lineup. So let's actually discuss how Mike Hazen did trying to answer the problems and the needs on this D-backs roster. And I actually want to first start with, did the D-backs go out there and get more right-handed batters? And for this Topic for this need, I'm gonna have to give Mike Hazen a grade of a C. Now, he did go out there and make one move right at the start of the offseason. Mike Hazen traded for Jordan Luplo. I believe it's Luplo, not Luplo, and he's a very nice player. Sadly, looks like he strained his shoulder, so he's gonna miss the opening series this year. So, shout out to Luplo. Hopefully, you get better, buddy. But this was still a good move to bring him in to help balance out the lineup because Luplo. Strictly a platoon batter in his career, but it makes sense why he is because he has a career 900 OPS against lefties, but below 700 OPS against righties. So for the D-backs, and actually the D-backs, as I said, a lot of lefties in the lineup, I lied before. They actually do better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching. So it's one of the reasons why I can only give this move a C because he will help balance out the lineup. He will do good against lefties, but the D-backs' real issue, the underlying issue is they have so many lefties, and they don't do good against right-handed pitching. They don't do damage against right-handed pitching. They do more damage against left-handed pitching, which is really shocking to see. Like Someone like Josh Rojas, who's a lefty, does better against left-handed pitching. Ketel Marte, a switch hitter, does better against uh, left-handed pitching as well. So the D-backs really needed more guys who do well against righties, and Jordan Luplo is not going to help in that department, but he's at least going to help from the perspective that he's going to help balance out the lineup, and now you don't have to put Paven Smith 
you know, every day in the outfield. We could have a real outfielder out there playing solid defense. And Jordan Luplo, I wouldn't have mind if the D-back signed a shortstop or a third baseman to help fill this need and increase offensive production. It's not like any body can't be replaced in the lineup. I already mentioned the rotation, like outside of Varsho, Kelly Marte, no one's job should be safe and secure in this lineup. So I wouldn't have mind if the D-backs went out there and signed someone to get the job done for them to help either increase offensive production against right-handed pitching or just another right-handed batter than just Jordan Luplo. We can only play half the game. So for Mike Hazen, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give you a C on this one, buddy, just because Jordan Luplo, he's a nice move. He's a nice player, but he's not a needle mover. He's not going to be the reason whether the D-backs make the playoffs or not, whether the D-backs win 50 or 75 games last or 50 or 75 games next season. Jordan Luplo, nice move, good move for the team. It's just not going to move the needle that much. Now we'll discuss how Mike Hazen handled the other three needs for the D-backs entering the offseason. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Badaline because after months of playing, College basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports. Remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. We are not done discussing Mike Hazen and his offseason. Was it a good offseason or not? That's where we're going to grade at the end of this segment. But let's talk about another need that the D-backs had entering the offseason. Let's talk about that number five starter because I think I'm going to have to give Mike Hazen a C-plus on this one as well. Now, he did go out there and sign Zach Davies right at the start of spring training, which I think was a good move. He has a track record of being a solid number five starter if you look at his ERA, but I still think if you look past the peripheral traditional numbers and get to the advanced numbers, Zach Davies has very high bust potential. He could be not very good this season just because last year he wasn't very good with the Cubs. His FIP throughout his career maybe suggests he's not as good as his ERA. And he's also a guy who just throws a hard sinker. Like, he's not a fastball thrower. His sinker ball is going to average between 90 and 88 miles per hour. Like, he's not a flamethrower, and the D-backs have enough of those. So, I don't think Zach Davies is going to be a, a world beater for the D-backs next season. I do think he could be a potentially pretty solid number five option, maybe better than what we've seen the last couple of years. But if that's all the D-backs did to go out there and get another starter for this rotation, like Zach Davies isn't enough. They also signed Dan Straley to a minor league deal. Like that's who we thought was going to be the number five starter until they signed Zach Davies. So that's where that plus comes in because it would have just been maybe a C, maybe a D, maybe an F if they didn't get Zach Davies, but you at least get a C plus. Now they did have internal options like I dis discussed before. So maybe they felt like they didn't have to go out there and get 
a number five starter because not only do you have internal options, you also have Brent Strom right now who Zach Buchanan of The Athletic talked about on yesterday's pod how he's noticed Brent Strom working so much with these pitchers and already the impact he's had. So maybe the D-backs believe they're going to get a big boom from a couple of internal options like maybe a Taylor Widener or maybe Luke Weaver. It just... Good enough where you don't feel like you need a number five starter because he's going to pitch more like a number two. Maybe Bumgarner gets back to a number three. I don't know. I don't know why the D-backs felt like Zach Davies was enough as their number five starter. But right now, that's really the only move that they made. I wouldn't have been upset if they signed someone that they thought could be the number two in their rotation. If they went out there and signed like Marcus Stroman or something, I wouldn't have been surprised. I'd be like, yeah, just move everyone after Zach Allen back a spot in the rotation and we'll be okay. So... For Mike Hazen, I'm going to have to give you a C plus, buddy, just because Zach Davies, uh, he's not really quenching my thirst to upgrade this rotation. The next need, I thought, was bullpen arms, and I'm going to be nice to you here, Mike Hazen. I'm going to give you a B on this one because I know the D-backs lost Tyler Clippard. They lost Taylor Clark this offseason, but neither of those moves really hurt. Clippard was actually pretty pretty solid for the D-backs last season, but they added Mark the Shark Melanson, and they added Ian Kennedy, and those two guys are coming off pretty good seasons. Melanson, he's coming off an all-star campaign. Kennedy, sub-four ERA, really solid season as a closer. So those two guys are probably going to stabilize the eighth and ninth inning. I imagine Ian Kennedy is going to be the eighth inning setup guy to Mark Melanson as the closer. You still have Caleb Smith, Joe Mantipoli, Noah Ramirez. So you at least got five solid to above average options in the bullpen as it currently stands. And then again, like the rotation, you're hoping the development pops with some of your relievers, guys like J.B. Briscakis, who, of course, is out at least 60 days. Corbin Martin's still on the roster. Tyler Gilbert, Humberto Mejia, Humberto Castellanos. That there's at least enough young guys where you say, maybe Brent Strom can unleash and unlock these guys. And then all of a sudden, we have a dynamite bullpen. But I still feel like Mike Hazen could have gone out there and signed at least one or two more established arms. And I'm sure there's still guys on the free agent market that are still solid relievers, especially guys that could turn up the heat and get the strikeouts like Melanson, like Ian Kennedy. But neither one of those guys are really put away pitchers. Neither one of those guys are going to strike out the side when they come in the ninth inning. So I would have liked to see maybe a couple arms that could do that because the D-backs do not have enough put away pitchers on their roster, especially guys that could dial it up with a fastball. They have just a, a ton of dudes with really low velocity, and Mark Melanson and Ian Kennedy is not going to help that area. So how do we grade the overall offseason then for Mike Hazen? To recap, we gave, oh, actually, we have one more spot among needs that we have to talk about that I absolutely skipped over and didn't even realize. That is third base. And for third base, I have to give Mike Hazen a C- minus because the D-backs just stood bat when it came to third base. They stood pat. Hopefully I said that right. They just stood pat when it came to third base. It looks like they're going to go with the internal options route. It looks like Josh Rojas will most likely be the everyday starting third baseman. I don't see anyone overtaking him. And I don't mind that at all because Josh Rojas was really solid last season as the third baseman for the D-backs when he played third base, 357 average, 795 OPS. He looked really good as a third baseman last year for the D-backs. Now, I wouldn't have been upset if they signed someone like 
Kyle Seeger before he retired. I thought that would have been the perfect move for the D-backs. Buchanan yesterday mentioned Eugenio Suarez from the Reds is maybe a possibility that they kick the can around. I wouldn't have been mad at that either. Of course, his contract, a lot of D-backs fans would have been upset, but... And they also would have been upset with him batting below the Mendoza line. But maybe if he hit 40 to 50 home runs, it would have all gone away. We would have all forgotten about it. So for the D-backs, third base, they got a C there just because, or C minus, excuse me. I have to put the minus there because they didn't do anything when it came to third base. They didn't do anything with the corner infield. I'm not upset with that. Let me make that clear because I want to see what Josh Rojas can do as a full-time starting third baseman. But they felt like, hey, we're actually trying to be competitive in 2022. And the best way to do that is to get the best possible player at every position. And third base is one of those positions we need to upgrade. I wouldn't have been upset at all with that stance. And I probably would have agreed with my case. And so now let's recap each of the needs and the grades we put on them. More right-handed batters. We gave a C to Mike Hazen on that one. Third base, C minus. The number five starter, C plus. And bullpen arms, a B. So when you take all those grades and compile them, add them up, what answer do you get for what should we grade Mike Hazen this offseason? I'll tell you that answer next. Let's talk about the offseason and what grade we're giving Mike Hazen for the offseason as a whole. And when you compile all the grades, I think I have to give Mike Hazen a C plus for the offseason. The only reason it's not a C, the only reason it's getting a C plus, that little plus, is because of the Ketel Marte extension. He didn't really do much this offseason. Outside of improving the bullpen and getting Marte that extension, like I said before, Luplo is a really nice platoon bat. I like the move. It's just not moving the needle for me. We didn't add enough, you know, offensive production to the lineup. We didn't increase our offensive ceiling. We pretty much stood pat and said, hey, give us Jordan Luplo who can play half the games. That should help move the needle a little bit. No, it's not going to. Um, the D-backs are really banking on internal development and coaching to come through for them next season. We didn't see them go out there and get... It, we saw them go out there and get them a five-starter, but we didn't see them upgrade any other spot in the rotation. So I think they're hoping Brent Strom could really come through for them. They added two legit veteran bullpen arms in Melanson and Ian Candy, which I absolutely love. Hopefully Strom can unlock some of the bullpen arms. But I still think there was guys out there that the D-backs could have gotten that wouldn't have broke the bank, especially when you look at the trade market. Like, the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds, I almost, like, put the whole mic in my mouth there if you guys saw on the YouTube video. Teams like the Oakland A's and Cincinnati Reds were absolutely giving away players this offseason, and the D-backs could have had, no, like we talked about before, maybe a Suarez. It just would have costed them a little bit, and maybe the Reds would have paid some of the salary. You never know. Um, of course, Matt Olson costed a lot, but I don't think Oakland got insane value for their pitchers or Matt Chapman. Like the D-backs, if they wanted a third baseman, they should have got, gone out there and got Matt Chapman, who I don't think was a, a, a crazy return in value for that player. So the D-backs, I think, still had moves that they could have made. Instead, they just decided mostly to stand pat 
add a couple arms to the bullpen, add Jordan Luplo, add Zach Davies. And that was pretty much the whole offseason. Like, it was pretty much four guys coming in. And those were four quality players that they brought in, but it's not four big-time needle movers. D-backs are kind of working the margins right now. And hopefully that's all they need to get back to at least a competitive place and maybe make a run at one of the wild card spots. Now, before we wrap up today's pod, I want to talk about Nick Ahmed because it doesn't look like Nick Ahmed is going to be there maybe for the first couple of weeks of the MLB season because he has been dealing with the shoulder issue going back to last year. I think he got a couple cortisone shots today. He's got two years left on his four-year extension, and this is someone that's coming off an absolutely terrible season offensively, 619 OPS, five home runs, three-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio in just 130 games. He basically strikeouts three times as much as he walked, which is just absolutely insane and absolutely absolutely disgusting. And Nick Ahmed is someone coming into the season, whether he was healthy or not, I didn't really want to see him in the lineup. I didn't really want to see him in the field. Now, of course, he's an elite defensive player still, but offensively, I just told you the numbers. He does nothing for me in my lineup. And with guys like Haven Smith already in my lineup, and guys like Christian Walker with the way he played last year, there's already enough holes and liabilities in my lineup. I feel like his defense wasn't enough to outweigh his porous offense. That's why I want to see someone like Geraldo Perdomo get a crack to play shortstop to start the year. And it looks like that's going to happen. I believe he's the early candidate to play shortstop to begin the year without Nick Ahmed. This is someone that has real athleticism. Now, he might not be the 25 stolen base guy we saw in minor leagues. Because if you look at a lot of his stolen base seasons, it's like 25 steals and 15 caught steals. So I don't think we're going to see him run a ton on the major league level. D-backs definitely don't like to send uh, their players to steal bases, but still athletic at least. And if he needed to steal a bag or two, he definitely could. And also defensively, he's like 85, 90% Nick Ahmed defensively. So you're not losing anything there. And because he's only 22 years old, I could have at least convinced myself that he's going to improve as well offensively because some of the minor league numbers offensively, it's not like he's a big power guy. He doesn't really hit for a high average it's been mostly speed and defense has been his calling card on their minor league level. But he's also good at drawing walks, which is something that Nick Ahmed is not really good at. Like, I think he's had a couple minor league seasons where he had more walks than strikeouts. So Perdomo is someone that I definitely want to see start opening day. And I think he will start opening day because of that Nick Ahmed injury. D-backs also traded for someone to back up Perdomo and Nick Ahmed and could maybe get, you know, a start or two at shortstop maybe to give Perdomo a rest one of these days in the first couple weeks of the season. That is Sergio Alcantara. We acquired him from the Chicago Cubs, a former D-backs prospect who was traded to the Tigers in the J.D. Martinez deal in 2017, and he just just hasn't been a very productive Major League player. He's very defensive-minded, glove first, just like Nick Ahmed, just like Perdomo, so he kind of fits the same profile. Basically, he's a poor man's Nick Ahmed, which means to me, Keep him away from the lineup at all costs. If you want to bring him in the ninth inning or extra innings to play defense for an inning or two, that's fine. But I I don't want to see this guy as a pinch hitter or anything like that because I don't think he'll come through for the team. He hasn't shown anything in his career where he's good offensively. If you look at his numbers the last couple years, I don't even think he's cracked like a 600 OPS. Like this guy has not been very good. 
he's cheap. I'll give you that. The D-backs love to be cheap, and Alcantara is another cheap option, but I think there was also other cheap options they could have gone that you could have gotten, gone out there and gone. Um, someone like Jonathan Villar is still out there, and I don't think he's gonna break the bank. Like there's a bunch of quality players that you could have gotten either in the trade market or free agency that you probably could have had for like five million dollars or less. That's better than all Contrara. So D-backs, please, please, please stop being cheap. But I do wanna see Perdomo in shortstop opening day, and I think we're going to get it. And if he starts the season hot, this is what I talked about with Zach Buchanan yesterday. If Perdomo starts the 2022 season hot, the first month of the the first month of the season, because if you guys saw the game Wednesday, Perdomo had that slap shot home run to right field, starts to show off a little power. If Perdomo starts the season hot, look for Nick Ahmed to be a trade candidate at the deadline. Now, does anyone want Nick Ahmed? I don't know. I'd probably argue he's more of a salary dump than anything, but he doesn't really do much for my team outside of being a good locker room presence and playing good defense, but I could get most of that stuff out of Perdomo. Maybe not the veteran leadership, but I could get all the defensive tools and more offensive uh, tangibles as well. So Perdomo over Nick Ahmed is my hashtag for 2022. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. I believe we're going to have a crossover with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and news coverage and insight. Go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB with your pal Sully, also my pal Sully, Sully Baseball. And if you didn't already, Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen of the day because I would not be able to do this podcast without you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!